and they finish around 500, that is not a bad thing, in my opinion, especially if it's Will Levis, because you're going to have found something out about him. Welcome in to the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am not joined by my producer, JT. He'll be joining us later in the show today, kind of a different one. I am here, not with my recording setup at all, in uh, an airport in Edinburgh, Scotland. Um, by the end of this episode, I will be in Dublin, Ireland. And so it's going to going to be a piecemeal episode but we've got a couple of things to discuss today that um, even while I'm on vacation with my wife and her family having a great time over here in the British Isles needs to discuss some, some things with the Titans and I'm going to spend about 15-20 minutes here at the top of the show here's how today's going to work talking about two big ideas that I uh, have floating around in my head and things that I think are important for the Titans over this bye week then I'll be joined by producer JT when I have flown from Edinburgh to Dublin we'll discuss uh, the best bet gauntlet, as well as any news from the week, and that will be our show for today. I appreciate everybody um, tuning in with us, even though we've got some extenuating circumstances over this bye week. Me on vacation, JT and I both being in London. Not to bore you too much with my travels and personal life, but maybe to give you something interesting, a little anecdote from my travels. I was in London first, obviously, covering the Titans game with JT, and I had my backpack stolen from King's Cross train station in uh, the heart of London, actually getting ready to leave London to come up here to Edinburgh, Scotland. I was sitting at a cafe editing the show, doing some work before I hopped on the train and my backpack was right at my feet and I have been kicking myself ever since for not paying more uh, attention to it. I should have had it looped around my ankle or something. A tough lesson to learn for sure. And uh, you know, I think it was a bit of a tag team situation. A, a a beggar comes up to me on the opposite side of me of, of my bag asking for change. Uh, they take my attention. I speak to them really quick. Turn around. The moment of seconds, my backpack is gone. I get up. I run around. It's a busy train station. You know, Harry Potter went to King's Cross. He got to go to Hogwarts. I, I went to King's Cross and I lost like seven hundred dollars worth of stuff, as well as my passport. So I was marooned here in the British Isles for all of 72 hours terrified not sure how that worked when you get marooned and you lose your passport or have it stolen like in my case what happens i had to go to the u.s consulate general in in edinburgh scotland they gave me a good look over i had to fill out a bunch of paperwork and and so sign my soul over to the devil and do all these things and it was a big pain in the butt but ultimately they gave me this which is a purple emergency passport book if you're watching with us on youtube uh this, this is my emergency passport. I got some photographer in Scotland to take my picture and they slapped it in there and they said, here's this, you can get home with it. And then you have to go through all the passport rigmarole again and get a new passport. So, um, you know, not the souvenir that I wanted or wished for or would ever want again. Now that I have it, kind of a cool keepsake, an emergency purple passport. I gave it to the guy here at the airport uh, and he did a real double take. Like, what is this? Is this the worst attempt? Had a fake passport ever. No, it's a very special passport that allows me to get home. Please and thank you. Um, Titans, let's talk about that. Before we do, two quick things. One, our terrific and wonderful sponsors, Boomba's Pizza. We are missing out on Boomba's Pizza live on Thursday night for two weeks in a row, which blows. I am licking my lips over here in Europe, thinking about getting back to Boomba's in Spring Hill, Tennessee, one of their three locations in Mill, Tennessee. We are live every Thursday before Thursday Night Football. JT and I doing the Hot Read podcast, talking Titans over at Boombaz in Spring Hill every single week. These were the only two weeks we were going to miss. So starting next Thursday through the rest of the season, we will be there doing shows live. Um, but today I, I am here at in Edinburgh and Dublin. But they have fantastic, fantastic food and they are our sponsors, not only because we enjoy doing business with them, but because we enjoy their food. We love going over there and having some of the delicious craft pizza they have. Again, Spring Hill, Nashville, in East Nashville, they have a location, and then in Murfreesboro, as well as locations in Kentucky and in Indiana from, from out of town. Got to check them out. Four-time winners at the International Pizza Expo in Las Vegas. The only pizza company in America to have won twice at the International Pizza Championships. They're great. Okay, go give them a try. Do, do not knock it until you try it. Boomba's Pizza, some of the best, most creative pizza you will ever have. 
and uh, you won't regret going and checking them out. We appreciate their sponsorship, their partnership with us. One last thing before we talk Titans. If you're not subscribed to the uh, the, the Hot Feed podcast uh, YouTube channel, it's Broadway Sports Media on YouTube. You need to go over there, not just watch the show live there, not live, usually live, today recorded, but watch the show from there in its video form, the full true format of the show, as well as subscribe to the Broadway Sports Media YouTube account. We know a lot of you watch but aren't subscribed, so please do that for us. It will be very helpful. Now, Titans, two quick talking points before we transition. And uh, we do a time jump to when I'm in Dublin. We're talking with JT about the best bag gauntlet, which continues to steam on, by the way, 35 and 25 on the year, doing well, making money. We'll continue that this week. But the talking points that I, I find interesting over this five weeks of the Titans and two things that I want us to discuss today. Obviously, Will Levis is the, the greatest topic of, of discussion, greatest topic of concern. The biggest talking point this bye week for the Titans and for good reason, it is so unbelievably eminently clear that he is the guy you have to roll with, assuming Ryan Tannehill cannot play in week eight against Atlanta. There really is no argument. Otherwise, it has to happen. And if it doesn't, not only is it, I know how my buddy Zach Lyons called it a borderline fireable offense on a football show this week. I have to agree with him. It, 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 we'll, we'll, we'll cross that river when we get there. We'll cross that bridge when we get there. But what it would tell us about how this team perceives Will Levis and or the stubbornness of this coaching staff and or the power dynamics between the front office and the coaching staff. Wow. There'd be a lot to unpack there. I'm going to assume that's not going to happen because, again, it is so unbelievably clear, I think, to anybody that knows anything about this team. Levis has to be the guy. But the, the most popular question and talking point surrounding Levis jumping from quarterback three the emergency quarterback on this team's roster up to starter over a bye week is just that if he's the obvious guy well then why was he the emergency quarterback for the first six weeks six weeks of the season six games of the year why was he inactive each and every week and Malik Willis was the clear and obvious backup for this team really no debate ever since training camp ended and the answer is simple to me Willis is seen as the better option in a pinch by this coaching staff. The logic makes sense. It's understandable why in the case that you need a quarterback to come in mid game, Malik Willis might be the guy that you want. He's also the more experienced quarterback, but Will Levis is the better option. If you're going to properly game plan around a player for a full week or two going into that game to try to maintain continuity for this Titans offense. Let's dig into that a little bit. So in the scenario that Tannehill had to come out like he did on uh, Sunday in, in, in uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium here in London, mid-game, he goes down. You have to have a guy come in. The thinking around Willis being that guy for the first six games of the year was that he's the more experienced, more athletic quarterback. He can come in on short notice, game manage, use his legs, run around a little bit, create in that way. And really just try not to give the game away as much as he is expected to actively win the game, if that makes sense. Let's get a guy that we can get in there who we trust. He's not going to throw the game away. We just need him to maybe have a flash here or there, steal a couple yards with his legs. But otherwise, that's going to be A-OK for us, and we can try to coast to the rest of the game if and when Ryan Tanhill goes down. With Will Levis in the scenario like the Titans are now in, we're assuming with Ryan Tannehill being hurt with an undetermined timeline. I believe Jeremy Fowler was the one who reported this week that it's good news in the sense that he's not having to have another tightrope surgery of any kind like he did at the end of last year, but it's similar to the first bout of ankle injury that he dealt with last season. And so it, it, it's, you know, that took him two or three weeks to come back. When he did, he was kind of hobbled. It's going to be a while for Ryan Tannehill, I think, until he comes back. And it's certainly going to be a while until he comes back and isn't gimpy in that way. But um, when you do have a situation like this where you have a full week, or in this case, a full 13 days to game plan around a quarterback, Will Levis is the obvious answer. He is the clear choice because of the way that he plays football as well as the fact that there's a you need to see what you have in him element to this, which is absolutely very important. And absolutely, that alone, you can make the argument, regardless of everything else, you need to know what you have in Will Levis. He was your highly drafted second-round pick. 
your new GM moved up to get him. This team has put a lot of draft capital the past two seasons into the quarterback position. We have a much better idea, but we have in Will Levis than what we have in Will Levis. Um, Malik Willis than Will Levis. You have to know about the second guy so that you can calculate what the future of this team looks like, what what your short, medium, and long-term plans are going to be. All of that hinges around the most important position on the field, quarterback. If you have a guy in him, you need to know, and now is the perfect, undeniable opportunity to do so. But with Levis, he can play, and in the college did play, this ball control, efficient play-action style of offense. The Tannehill, or the, the Titans with Ryan Tannehill, are intentionally built for. The way that they want to and have been operating, even at their best in games against the Chargers, against the Bengals. Those were really efficient ball control, play action, exploiting offenses that scored a decent amount, you know, high, mid to high 20s, low 30s points. You're, you're going to keep the other offense off the field and you're going to bleed a team to death. That's the way that Mike Rebel likes to play football. It's the way that he's been really successful playing football for a long time. Now, those two things make sense, right? Will Levis being a better quarterback full term if you're needing a guy throughout the week, maybe week to week, while the quarterback is down, Malik Willis being the guy when he is needed in a, in a pinch. And so that's why you need Will Levis now. But I want to pivot now to another idea. What exactly are the ranges of outcome for this Tennessee Titans team for the rest of the season? I know a lot of fans, understandably so, I guess, more predictably so in my opinion, are – pretty dour on the Titans short and maybe long-term futures. They're at two and four going into the bye. The other teams in the division seem to be in better shape than they are. What exactly are they playing for this year? What exactly does this year mean? And so I, I want to dive into that a little bit. What can this season mean for the Titans? What, what is the significance? And I, I'm vamping here, pulling up my notes. Here we go. So the ranges of outcomes for this team. The number one priority for any team, always, unless you are selling out, if you are the Rams in the year that they won the Super Bowl and you're going all in and you are aggressive buyers at the trade deadline and you are moving future high draft capital uh, in order to get to get guys now to compete now, to get a ring now, then this is not the case. But for every other team, even teams that are competing for the Super Bowl, I mean, the Chiefs this year are not all all in. Right. Their wide receiver core. That's not the wide receiver core of a team that is all in. The Bills are not as all in this year as they were in the past. You know, um, like a, lo a lot of the contenders this year aren't aren't selling out all the way. And so for the vast majority of teams each year, 29 to 31 teams every single season. The number one priority, regardless, uh, not regardless, but besides winning as much as you can and going as far as you can and hopefully finding a way into the Super Bowl and, and getting a ring. is finding out more answers to questions than than the alternative and that's a poor way of phrasing it but, but finishing with more answers than questions right and i know this is a topic that stack alliance discussed this week on a football another upwards uh, excuse me yeah i think football another upwards this week he was discussing this but um, it's definitely the the point of the season for the titans it has been really i think because it's this competitive rebuild transition year so that makes sense but what what questions can they answer with their remaining time. Again, two and four, not a death knell. Taylor Olwan pointing out on Twitter uh, after the Titans lost to the Ravens that in 2019 they were two and four, and then they went on to win 12 games against the AFC Championship game. I don't think that they have that team this year, but if you'd have asked me at that two and four point that season, I probably would have said the same thing. So we'll see. I, I, you know, If you know me, you know I am big on, I love how the NFL is a league in which you – Anything can happen, and you can be surprised at every turn. And so I'm not going to rule anything out long-term for this team. I think that this season could be as poor as you're getting a top 10, maybe top 5 pick even if all things go horribly wrong. And I think that they could absolutely still win this division and be a playoff team and have a home playoff game. I think that that range of outcomes is still in the cards. The question is, with which quarterbacks you get which outcome? And, and which outcomes are more favorable than others. The, the outcome that I think a lot of people are desperate to avoid, and that's why they're anxious right now, wanting the team to tank, wanting them to, to go all in on giving up on this year, getting a high draft pick, and not trying to compete in 2023, 
is because they're terrified of finishing around 500. And for good reason. There's a lot of PTSD with Titans fans from the 2000s where they did a lot of winning and losing and winning and losing and winning and losing all year long, finishing eight and eight, Jeff Fisher style. Obviously, you don't want to do that unless you have a promising future. And so my, my point here is only to say that finishing 500 or around 500 is only really bad for this team if it's with Ryan Tannehill at the helm. If Ryan Tannehill plays the vast majority of the game, say he misses one game in Atlanta, comes back um, for Thursday night football against the, the Steelers, and so he, he, you know, one of the other two guys gets one start this year, it's Tannehill the rest of the way, they finish nine and seven and miss the playoffs entirely. That's no good. You're not going to get a lot of answers to questions that way. It's going to be a bit of a wasted season ultimately. Um, but finishing seven and nine, uh, seven and 10, eight and nine, nine and eight, 10 and seven. Well, if you finish 10 and seven, that's good news, I suppose, but right around 500 missing the playoffs, but it's with Will Levis at the helm or, I mean, I'm not going to rule out, you know, if it's Malik Willis and they stubbornly put him in and play him despite fans not wanting that to be the case, whatever. If it's those guys at the helm for the back two thirds of the season or for the majority of the, the two thirds of the season and they finish around 500, that is not a bad thing, in my opinion, especially if it's Will Levis, because you're going to have found something out about him if he plays that much football. And again, that's what this is about, finding out what you have in your asset in Will Levis. If Will Levis finishes seven and nine, but he wins, you know, three of his last four, he looks gritty. This team looks to rally around him, start to meld, mesh with his play style. He works well with, with a Tim Kelly offense. He shows some flashes. He shows what made him a first round, generally first round caliber talent in the NFL, fringe first rounder, and shows you that he can potentially be the future of your team. Then, then good. That's a that's a 500 season well spent, and you're going into next year with a lot of momentum, and you can build in this upcoming offseason around Will Levis. Alternatively, if you finish with a top five pick and Will Levis played the last 10 games or 11 games, great. Now you know that Will Levis is not not it. Not, not the, assuming he, he was a contributor to all those losses. You're getting a high draft pick in a, in a draft where there is a lot of quarterback talent. So you can start the rebuild, start the reset right now, burn it all down, start from scratch. That's A-OK. Um, with Malik Willis, it's a lot of the same. However, I, you know, I, I would only say, I think, I think finishing really, really poorly with Malik Willis instead of Will Levis ever playing. If, if Malik Willis played 11 games and Levis none, then I think that maybe that tells you enough about Levis to know like this team is so dr dramatically low on him that we can, even though we haven't seen him, we can rule him out. And with Willis, if, if you finish that poorly, then you know, you know, it's time. Both guys, no bueno, time to reset. If Willis is miraculously great and you win a bunch of games, then maybe you look to start a future around him. And then with Tannehill, he's the guy that can come back in and potentially get you to a playoff game. I'm not going to rule out the possibility, by the way, of Will Levis coming in, playing the last 11 games in this bad AFC South, somehow putting together a playoff run, maybe as a wild card, maybe as a division winner. And this team, you know, getting to the playoffs, being one and done in the playoffs with Will Levis this year. Again, that is not a bad thing. Yes, you're trying to compete with a quarterback that can be your future. That is the ultimate goal, short and long term. That's getting really your cake and eating it, too being able to get to the playoffs this year, that would be the number one best case scenario for this team. Will Levis comes in, he plays the last 11 games, you sneak into the playoffs, you, you're scrappy, maybe you win a game, maybe you lose immediately, um, and, and you, you you bow out in the playoffs. That's great, because you got to compete, it's a lot of fun, the team looks good, and you know what you've got in your guy going forward that can be your new franchise quarterback. All right, those are my two big thoughts today. I think on our Monday episode, we'll be talking more about potential trade deadline, um, moves that this Titans team can be making. But for now, let's get to producer JT, bring him in. I'll flash forward from Edinburgh to Dublin, Ireland. Let's talk some NFL news with him and then get to the best bet gauntlet. All right, time jump complete. I was in Edinburgh. Now I'm in Dublin and I am joined by producer JT. JT, how are you from the States back in Nashville? I'll be there soon. Hello. How are we doing? Uh, top of the morning to you. Top is that is that the correct term there? Yes, except it's night. So the opposite of that. Oh, opposite I don't. The is, evening? I don't know. Is that an actual phrase? I don't know. Um, but yes, Top I of am. The morning to you, sure. Yeah. I, I'm I'm here uh, stateside, still worse for wear, but we're getting through it. Um, the the <laughs> the jet lag 
hit me like a truck on the way back. And so uh-huh. we we're slowly but surely crawling back to normalcy here. Um, but excited to well, be once again. the Hot Read podcast through the ringer. I mean, holy yes. smokes. Given you severe illness, taking away my backpack forever. Um, you know what? We, we paid a price for going to London, but I, I would do it again in a heartbeat. We're, we're talking news and best bet gauntlet now and uh jt i understand you have some news items for us so without further ado let's get to the news producer jt yeah we can start off and whoever is going to be playing quarterback for the titans next week as you so graciously dived into dove into earlier um it's going to be important that derrick henry is on the field with them so Mm. uh per next gen stats when henry was on the field with ryan Tannehill, ryan Tannehill had a 67.3 completion percentage had 9.1 yards per attempt two touchdowns and one interception for a 101.4 passer rating um and had a 25.6 pressure percentage and three sacks when derrick henry was off the field his completion percentage dropped to 55.8%. His yards per attempt also dropped to 5.5 per attempt, zero touchdowns, five interceptions, a 47.2 passer rating with a 46.7% pressure rate and 16 sacks when Derrick Henry is not on the field. So that just puts in perspective how important it is that Derrick Henry is going to be having to play these games, despite how good Ty J Spears has been to just right. protect one of these two younger quarterbacks. Derrick Henry is almost a lock to be on the field. He, he's a must. Well, and here's the thing. This is, it's a stat that there's some confirmation bias here for sure, because Henry on and off the field is largely a third down versus first or second down statistic because Derrick Henry is never on the field on third down, unless it's a third and short. A very short um then he, on occasion he is there and Tajay is is coming in to pass protect or run a route on third down in obvious passing situations this stat is largely a first and second down versus obvious passing situation third down where you know you can point to most quarterbacks and say in obvious third and medium third and long obvious passing situations they're going to be worse quarterbacks statistically then on first, second down, where that, that is not nearly as obvious. They have the threat of play action. They have the threat of being able to run the ball, all of these things. So there's there's some there's some selection bias there. That being said, I still think that I think it's it's neither black nor white on this. I think that the Titans are still struggling to figure out just how to best use Tajay and Derek. And I think anybody saying that it should be extreme either way is doing it wrong. I think that a balance of the two used correctly is the most effective way that this team can operate in the running game and out of the backfield. And there've been some games where they've done that really well. I thought that I actually thought that that new Orleans game, they did a pretty good job mixing those two in, except at the end of the game, Um, the chargers game, obviously I felt was a really nice mix of like 60, 40 Henry Spears and then the Bengals game was that way as well. So I, I have um, I have no issue with both of them playing a lot of snaps. I think that, that this team's success is going to be predicated on them really figuring out the best way to utilize those two guys. And clearly they're still trying to figure that out. Yeah, moving on here, we can talk about Anthony Richardson, your quarterback darling, rookie quarterback darling, that is, this season. With some this unfortunate news. news. stinks. It stinks. Yes. Anthony Richardson will miss the rest of the season and undergo shoulder surgery to repair that joint um, in his shoulder. Colts owner Jim Ursay reported two things on this. One, unfortunate, of course, that um, he is going to have to miss because he, when he was able to be on the field, he looked really, really good um, early on. But that the, the big if there is that if he can stay on the field. Um, so right. that, that'll be a big thing for him going forward. Um, and uh, Shane Sykin said that they hope to see him uh, as early as spring workout. So he's done for the season. That also means that um, the Colts or the Titans will play the Colts again, this time only having to worry about Gardner Minshew the next time they play them. Jim Irsay though, by the way, yes, he did, he did, he did in fact beat them, them, but yes, a little bit different of a, uh, of a very different game plan. assignment. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Jim Irsay, though, I think this is the funniest thing, though, this week. 
um, gave a gave a very crazy Uncle Jim quote in which he said, "Oh, it's vintage. It's vintage." Like, like, like John Landau said about Bruce Springsteen back in 1974. I've seen the future of rock and roll, and his name is Bruce Springsteen. Well, I've seen the future of the NFL, and his name is Anthony Richardson, and I <laughs> oh, believe it. Oh, it's such a good quote. It's a gr- it's a great quote, and it's an all timer. It's an all timer. I wish I could disagree with him. I, I'm I'm in. Jim, I'm in. I'm with you. I think that I think that I have seen the future. Do you think um, he's coping a little bit with, with the current situation? Oh, a or do you thousand think he's... percent. He's coping. Yes, he's so mad. And you, I mean, she, he should be. It stinks. I'm, I'm mad. And I, I'm, you know, I'm certainly not a Colts fan. And it, it stinks to not to not see him out there. It stinks that the Titans were the ones that broke him. Shout out Harold Landry again. Not his. I'm being facetious. Not his fault. But it was a Harold Landry hit. Where he he was done for the year and that that rotator cuff or whatever I think it was rotator cuff in the in the shoulder whatever it was the shoulder injury um, did him in for the year it, it stinks I really hope he does not have an injury riddled season I there is some PTSD I'm sure with Colts fans Andrew Luck situation like the the I think the offensive line and the infrastructure of this team for Indianapolis is better than what Andrew Luck had early on in his career so in terms of the team getting you killed as a quarterback and you know potentially shortening your career dramatically is not nearly as uh, big a threat as it was with, with luck, but there's still an element of, Oh man, please, please don't ruin this guy. Like you ruined luck just from a NFL enjoyer perspective. I want to see this guy play football. And so far in that category, I'm concerned. Yeah. And then one more piece of news here. Um, Sources have said today to a couple of people that, the Colts and Broncos have had extensive trade discussions about a deal that would send wide receiver Jerry Judy to Indianapolis. No deal has been finalized or agreed at this time, but has progressed beyond uh, exploratory conversations. And here, here's my take on this. I I liken this um, to the 2019 Mets where they essentially said, we're going to be buyers at the deadline, despite being really, really bad. (laughs) And I think that's exactly <laughs> what the Colts are doing. They're going to be buyers, even though they're going to be bad, because they think that they can get good value on some pieces right now and take those into next year. I guess here's the thing: it's not just it's not even it's not just that it's it's worse. It's not just they're going to be buyers at the deadline, despite the fact that they're going to be bad and, and trying to all all of that. I agree with, but it's also that they're going to be buyers and they're going to be like. A blind man walks into a grocery store and just grabs items, just just frantically picks up things that are available and throws them into the basket and walks home with them. Like, what are we doing shopping for Jerry Judy for for Indianapolis? That I and I, you know, if you're in on Jerry Judy, fine, whatever. If you think that he's going to be a nice piece to pair with Pittman and be a nice receiving core for Richardson in the future, fine. I'm not. I'm not in on on Jerry's game. I'm not in on his vibe. I'm not in on on him on or off the field. I, if you're a Titans fan, you should root for this because it's going to be expensive. It it would certainly bring in it, another big personality to a team that already has a few of those. It would. So I, I I kind of will be surprised if there's actually anything to this. If they pull this trigger, I'm not. I'm not sure what I'm going to have to say. It's going to be pretty astonishing. And that's going to do it for our news on this this very boring uh, bye week here for the Titans. <laughs> yeah, it's producer JT with the news. Appreciate that. Time for the best bet gauntlet, JT. And time to update the folks on how this year has gone for us. Overall, a fantastic year continues along. We got out of our week in London with a five and five week as a show. I went two and three, a very frustrating two and three, I might add. I was two missed field goals inside of 45 yards away from going four and one which is infuriating but two and three nonetheless jt you eked out a three and two winning week again your reign of uh the hot hands plural it's a double hot hand at this point continues along the tracks as a show we are on 66 percent on the year which is ultimately what we care about and ultimately a fantastic number to have through six weeks and through, uh, through 60 total bets, 35 and 25 on the year, making a lot of money for those that are betting along with us. I am 14 and 16 with some work to do this week. You are an unbelievable 21 and nine. Keep it up, my friend. The ball is still in my court. I still have the first pick. 
And I am really excited that I had the first pick this week because I love my first pick. And my first pick of the week seven, uh, six, six, week six, best, but no, week seven. Week right? seven, week yes. Six. I'm blown, yeah, here we go. The <clears throat> week seven, best bet gauntlet, my first pick is going to be Tampa Bay minus two and a half, hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Some numbers and reasoning on this one. This is a big bounce back spot for a Tampa Bay team that did not look great last week. Uh, a pretty big letdown game for them against uh, uh, shoot Detroit. Detroit, thank you. Against Detroit, a lot of yards and points left out there on the field by Baker Mayfield. Some deep passes that were there for the completing, and he under or overthrew them. Uh, Mike Evans' big drop that would have resulted in a, in a massive play and potentially swung the game. But I love getting Tampa Bay under the field goal here again at home. They are statistically better than Atlanta in every category this season in terms of rush yards, passing yards, run defense, run, uh, passing defense, sack rate, pressure rate. I, I went through the whole, the whole gamut, 12 plus statistical categories. They are better than Atlanta in some by a little and by, in some by a lot. They are simply the better team right now. I love this bounce back spot after being brought down back to earth last week. Um, Baker left all those points and, and yards out there on, on the table. The Bucks defense, I think, has the ability to handle what is a somewhat one-dimensional offense of Atlanta. Desmond Ritter, for his flaws, has had two good weeks back-to-back, 300-plus passing yards for the past two weeks. I, I'm kind of expecting him to come back down to earth. I don't think that's going to happen for a third straight week. So I think that he's doing chill out a little bit this week. And Atlanta is a bottom five DVOA defense. I think that Tampa Bay is going to have a much, much better time this week against this Atlanta defense than they did against Detroit. Give me Tampa Bay to win by a field goal or more. Yeah, I really like that bet this week. With my first pick, I'm taking the Los Angeles Chargers headed into Arrowhead against Kansas City plus five and a half. Here's why a little bit. Uh, it comes down to Justin Herbert, who has been really good against the spread against this Kansas City team. This will be the seventh career game versus the Chiefs, sixth career game against Mahomes. First Kansas City, he may only be two and four straight up, but is five and one against the spread against Kansas City. And then when he plays Mahomes, only one and four straight up, but four and one against the spread. When Herbert is a dog of five or more like he is in this matchup currently five and a half. He is seven and zero against the spread. So in these mm. games where he is playing the Kansas city chiefs, he plays them close. The, these two, these two teams always play really, really close. I feel yep. like no matter where it is, Mahomes versus the AFC West is only 16, 14 and one against the spread. So I'm expecting a very close game. So that's why I'm taking the chargers plus five and a half this week. Yeah, I, I love it. It's the correct bet. I was hoping you wouldn't take it so that I could double dip on my favorite bets of the week. Love this. I'll be betting it myself. Mahomes over a field goal. Got got to do it. Got to do it. Um, my next bet is, I mean, it really is gross, and I don't expect any of our listeners to tail me on this one, although they should. But I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best to sell you on it. But boy, oh boy, is it gross. We talked last week a lot, JT, about catching the falling knife. In betting, when that knife is dropping and a team is seemingly free-falling, the best bettors in the world, the pros, the ones that make bank, they catch that falling falling knife at the right time, at the last minute, by the handle and not the blade, and avoid getting cut. Last week, I tried to catch this falling knife, and apparently I was early. Um, I wasn't going to be early if there was going to be a made field goal inside of 45 yards by Bailey Groupie, the guy that the uh, Patriots decided to keep over old man granddaddy strong legs here in Tennessee but nonetheless they barely don't cover last week for me and I get cut by the falling knife this week I've got to do it I've got to take New England getting nine points at home at home nine point home dogs against the Buffalo Bills number one it's a pros Joe's game okay only 30 percent of the bets on New England but 64 percent of the money the big money betters are on this New England team, a 34% differential there. It's in Foxborough. So there's going to be that element of Foxborough magic. This is, by the way, JT, it is the largest spread, uh, the largest spread as a dog that Bill Belichick has ever had 
at home since Tom Brady's first game all those years ago. So this is a this is kind of some some new territory for this New England team. And the number is simply too big. New England's offensive line has been really egregiously bad this year. It's been playing some really bad backups. I expect them to get some guys back this week based on the injury reports. They're going to get potentially uh, UTC legend Cole Strange, second-year player, third-year player, young player, back back in the lineup. A big boost for them um, over guys like Sidey So out of Eastern Michigan this past year, rookie out of uh, one of the Michigan schools who's been playing valiantly but has been a real boon to their offensive success. Buffalo, for their part, injury-wise, I mean, we've talked about it, JT. This Buffalo team got murdered by the turf in in uh, in London, and and the maybe the buried lead from the Titans Ravens game is that nobody died, which was what we were expecting to happen. It didn't happen. It did happen for the Bills, though. They've lost three massive, massive defensive starters for the entire year. All three are massive downgrades on the defensive line at the uh, cornerback position and elsewhere in the secondary at the linebacker position. Those guys. Uh, the, the starters to backup drop off for all three of those players is really, really big. Three of New England's losses this year, by the way, just from a statistical standpoint, uh, three of their losses this season have been let by less than one possession. I think the Pats are going to be able to run in this game. Again, the number is too big. Give me Buffalo to win by probably a touchdown, but I think that nine is simply too big. I'll take New England plus the nine points. I was looking up the Steelers and how good Mike Tomlin is, mm, uh, Tomlin. especially as, as an underdog here. I was getting my ducks in a row because, listen, I sure. think the Steelers are in a really nice spot this week. Um, 56-31 and four all time against the spread as an underdog under Mike Tomlin. Um, he's 45-20 and two against the spread as an underdog from week five forward, including 37 and 30 straight up on the money line. So as the season progresses, this team gets a lot feistier down the mm. stretch here. They get a little hotter. Of course, Mike Tomlin uh, has never finished under 500 as the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. So th- th- this team, Wild. this team continues to get better as the year progresses. And especially they're coming off the bye, which I think is the most interesting part about this. Have they been bad coming off the bye? Against the spread. Yes, they are 10 and 11 all time against the spread with extended rest. However, this is the fourth time uh, the Steelers will play off a bye under Tomlin where their offense is averaging 20 points per game or less. In the three games before this one, they are 3-0 and both straight up and against the spread coming off the bye in that spot. Off extended rest as well during the regular season. Kenny Pickett is a perfect 4-0 straight up and against the spread in his pro career, covering the spread by 7.3 points per game. I'm expecting a bounce back spot here for the Pittsburgh Steelers. They get Deontay Johnson back. That defense gets a little bit of a rest here. And I'm expecting them, despite Cooper Cup maybe having the game of his lifetime, which it seems like he's getting hyped (laughs) up to have, I'm expecting a big time game. I like it. I like the pick. Um, for my third pick of the week seven best bet gauntlet, I'm taking Philly giving two and a half points against Miami at home, a home favorite of under a field goal. This is all about picking the right spot to fade the Miami Dolphins. Okay. Miami has been a juggernaut this year. They have been the, the best show on surf. Okay. They are so much fun to watch. Nobody is discounting that. However, I really Really like this spot for Philadelphia for a couple of reasons. Number one, JT, and I know you don't like this pick at all, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in a mind trap right here. We've seen Miami get broken by a team once this year, right? Who was that team? The the Buffalo Bills. Right. And in that game, what was the thing that they did that allowed them to beat Miami? Uh I'll answer the question for you because I didn't say yeah. that for this. They got pressure on Tua, who has been mm, incredibly, yes. okay. incredibly clean this season, right? He's it, 35 pressures allowed by the Miami Dolphins through six games. League best by a pretty significant margin. Tua's been so clean. When he's given time to operate, he's been surgical. When he's not given time to operate, you see some of the warts come out. And this Philadelphia team defensively up front, that's where the strength of their defense is. Their secondary there's some there's some issues there. I think that the, the Miami secondary or the Miami uh, uh, receivers are going to give that Philly secondary some issues if 
the defensive line does not get home. But I think that they will. I think that this Miami uh, offensive line is not great on paper. They're due for some regression. I think this is one of those games where Tua is under a lot of pressure. It's supposed to be a 40-degree day, cold, wet, and windy in Philadelphia. So I'm betting on the bounce-back spot for Philly, who was handed their first loss of the season last, last week, uh, fading the early season hype in Miami. Philly has, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, Philly's schedule the next, like, eight weeks is an unbelievable Tough. gauntlet. I mean, it is brutal. This feels like a must-win for them in order to not, you know, if they can win this game and then go 500 over the next eight weeks or whatever, then they're going to be in good shape. But this is a big spot for them before they really have to hunger down against some really good teams right in a row. And one last thing, Jalen Hurts has not been very good under pressure this year, statistically. But the Dolphins have not defensively been able to bring pressure against anybody, really. So I think that he's going to be clean in this game. I think that the, the Philadelphia offense can absolutely hang with the Miami offense in a, in a boat race or in, in a, in a uh, fireworks show. So give me Philly to win by a field goal or more at home. Yeah, either way, it's going to be must-see TV. So we're going to have to do our episode oh, so sometime either after that or before that because it's going to be yes. a good game nonetheless. Agreed. My next pick here, I'm going – this is my falling knife of the week, I think, that I'm trying to catch okay. here. And sure. I'm going to go with the New York Giants plus two and a half versus the, the, the Washington Commanders here. Mm. A couple of reasons why Ron Rivera versus the Giants all time has just not been a very – uh profitable coach he's actually going up against the team that he's least profitable against the spread at he's oh. three and seven all time one and mm. seven against the giants against the spread as a favorite and then two and four against the spread versus the giants with washington so a couple of those come from carolina but either way he does not play this team very well also ron rivera is a, mu a much better coach as an underdog than he is a favorite 59 43 and two against the spread as an underdog but only 47 51 and two against the spread as a favorite with washington and carolina and the giants have historically uh covered against washington last 20 years they are 24 15 and one against the spread including two and seven in their last nine meetings Dable is also 2-0 against the spread for New York against the Washington Commanders. Listen, I think Tyrod Taylor is doing a fine job for them if he continues to, to fill in there for Daniel Jones. But either way, I think, once again, this is a roller coaster season for the Commanders. They lose pretty badly, then come back last week against Atlanta and get a pretty decisive win. Now they're going into uh, MetLife to play a Giants team who really is just lacking an identity and could really right. use a win right now, especially with uh, the the kind of relationship between the Giants and their fan base. Um, so, and, and as a team that is pretty profitable right now against uh, the Washington Commanders, I like the value. So I'm going to take the Giants plus two and a half as a home dog. It's the right pick. It's the right time, I think, to drop uh, to, to drop this falling knife. No, to catch this falling knife. I'm going to be betting that along with you. My fourth pick of the week seven best bet gauntlet. Give me Denver plus one at home against Green Bay. JT, when I saw this line, I said, this line stinks. I mean, it stinks. Something smells with this line. And then I got into some of the numbers. And this Denver team is a, is a home dog. We love home dogs. Betting home dogs is profitable all the time. This Denver team is we're worried about the full-blown tank mode, right? And that's the, that's the concern. But assuming they're still trying to win, I think that they are at this point. I think that they are capable of beating what is a inflated Green Bay team, in my opinion. First of all, it's a pros-Joe's game, okay? We've got, uh, let's see, 39% of the bets on on the, the Broncos, but 61% of the money, the big money betters, 22% uh, differential in the Broncos' favor. And I just think that this Green Bay team is not as good as they're made out to be. I think that the, the the Denver defense is pretty weak. Obviously, it's been historically bad at times this year. But I think the Green Bay offense is pretty weak as well. So I think this game comes down to the, the Green Bay defense versus the Denver offense. And I, part of me can't believe I'm saying it. I kind of think that the Denver defense is going to win that battle. I think that Denver wins at home in a gritty, gross game by a two, three points, a field goal. I think that Denver wins this game outright as a home dog. Give me Denver plus one. Yeah, that could be a very interesting game, especially with how Jordan Love likes to just throw the ball up sometimes. So 
turnovers are the deciding factor there. Um, with my next pick here, and look, the, the thing you got to do this week, you got to fade Kirk Cousins in prime time. Like it's almost oh, we an got automatic a prime lock, time spot. Uh, it oh, feels like no. uh, at night. Yes, yes. We uh, at, at night he is eleven and nineteen straight up, twelve and eighteen against the spread, uh, four and three straight up in prime time starts since last season. Against the spread is the main issue, though. One and six against the spread in those last seven games in his career, though, on Monday Night Football, Cousins has straight up stunk. He is two and ten straight <laughs> up, and against the spread on Monday Night Football, he his two and ten straight up mark is worst of any quarterback on Monday Night Football. Listen, right now you can get this on some books under the touchdown minus six and a half. Despite mm. Kyle Shanahan's woes on primetime games, I do think that this uh, San Francisco team is the better team. They're coming off a pretty embarrassing loss to PJ Walker and the Cleveland Browns last week. So I'm expecting those that firework offense to get right back to it this week. So give me San Fran minus six and a half. I like this pick. I, I want to, and maybe you disagree. So tell me if you do. I want to stipulate that I think it's important to get this one under the touchdown because yes. there are some books where you get it at seven and a half. I, I really don't love that bet. I don't, I don't love San Fran to win by 10, for example, but if you there can get it under some, the touchdown, yeah. which you can right now, you, you got, you got to take that bet. There and there, I've I have it under a touchdown at six and a half, and then there's also some books that are have offered it at plus seven, but with plus money, like at plus a hundred. So I sprinkled mm. a little bit on that. I, I take I think that yeah, value yeah, yeah. absolutely um, as well. But if you can get it minus six and a half, I'd do that. Or minus yep. seven is what I meant. Yes, right. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Just as long as it's without the hook, trying to cover yes. that seven and a half. Um, with my last bet of the week five or week. Week seven, best bet gauntlet. It's it's listen. It's uh it's officially tomorrow now here. It's it's officially Friday here in Dublin, so it's late for me. Um, I'm taking Baltimore minus three. They are hosting the Detroit Lions, and I have a couple of reasons why I really really like this bet. Detroit hasn't really beaten anybody of note this year. If you look back at who they've beaten, okay, time to fade them because they've beaten Atlanta with Desmond Ritter. Green Bay with Jordan Love, Carolina with a rookie QB in uh, in in uh, 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 I'm totally blank on his name. Bryce it's very Young. late. Bryce Young, thank you, thank you. And uh, Tampa Bay with Baker Mayfield, who was really his easily his worst game of the season when they played him. The market peak, I think, is is here for Detroit. I, I'm hearing. Talk and reading articles of Detroit, best team in the NFC this week. I don't know if you've seen this, JT. The uh-huh. hype is big with Detroit, and I love it. And I, you know, I'm, I'm a my, my mother grew up in Detroit. I'm a I'm a I pull for Detroit. I'm not a Detroit fan, but I've got a lot of family members that love Detroit. I root for their success. I think we're losing our mind a little bit on them, just just now, just yet. I think it's time to pump the brakes a little bit. Um. It's a big opportunity for the Ravens here. Uh, I think that their their defense, uh, the def- the Detroit defense, that is, is vulnerable to the pass. And I think it's time for the Ravens passing game to be able to shine a little bit in this game. You're getting outdoor Jared Goff, who's 33 and 31 against the spread with some wind and weather conditions to contend with. 16 mile per hour winds projected for this game, the windiest game of the week. And Detroit has running back one and two already out for this game. No Gibbs. No um, Montgomery. I, I think that running back three, and by the way, running back three for them, I forget his name. He has not practiced yet this week. Craig Reynolds has not practiced yet this week. So running back situation, like the, the Detroit offense really operates through the run a lot. Their identity kind of, that's cornerstone for them. It's not, it's not existent right now. So I don't know what they're going to do. And then just statistically, trends-wise, Lamar, 18 and four ATS as a dog or a favorite of under three. 12 and 1 ATS in his career against teams with a winning record against the spread. I love this Baltimore bet, but JT, apparently you do not because this is our head to head pick of the week. Yeah. So I, I'm going against you on this one, not because okay. I, I, I'm with you. I don't think, I think the hype is way too real for this, for this Detroit team. So I'm not saying they're going to win, 
However, I just don't, I, I got to take the points here. And here's why Okay. Um, the Lions are 28 and 12 against the spread, which is good for 70% since the start of the 2021 season and the most profitable team against the spread in the NFL. Um, dating back to last season as well, Jared Goff, you said, wasn't a great outdoor quarterback. And I agree with you, but Jared Goff has covered seven straight games versus teams above 500 straight up. Um mm in his past seven. And then since that spot in 2021, he's 12 and three against the spread against teams above or at 500. Um, it's the best mark in the NFL. And then Lamar Jackson has also not been great against the spread versus NFC teams specifically uh, in 16 games. He, and, and this is why I think that the Ravens are still going to win this game. He's 15 and one straight up against NFC teams in his last 16 <laughs> games. However, mm. he's seven and nine against the spread in those games. So like, like you said, I, I, I love the Ravens. I think this is a good spot to take the Ravens this week. If you're looking for the money line, however, with those, with those stats, I just had to take the points because I think it's going to be a closer game than people think. Um, and I'm just going to ride with Jared Goff this week. I'm surprised you didn't mention the number one thing that's, that has me scared about my pick. And I, I don't know why I'm playing devil's advocate for you here, but this is, this is what I'm scared about. That's what I'm concerned about. The stats about teams that played in London, that played internationally mm. playing the week after they're, they're very not good. I think it's in the thirties percentile, uh, 30, 30, 30 percentages, excuse me. Um, for, for teams covering ATS after having played in London the previous week. Baltimore had the option to take their bye this week like the Titans did, chose to forego that option. And so that concerns me a little bit, but we're going head-to-head -head there. So a recap of our Week 7 Best Bet Gauntlet. We're going to make some money, continue the 66% ride here. JT taking the LA Chargers, getting 5.5 points against KC. The Steelers getting three, excuse me, the Rams getting three points against the Steelers, the commanders getting two, the, sorry, this JT, I'm blaming this on you. You wrote these notes very confusingly. Okay. You put the numbers by the wrong teams. Okay. Here we go. Starting over the chargers plus five and a half at KC, the Steelers plus three at the LA Rams, the giants plus two and a half versus the commanders, San Francisco, Minus six and a half at Minnesota and Detroit plus three. There we go. For my best five, I'm taking Tampa Bay minus two and a half versus Atlanta. New England plus nine at home against Buffalo. Philadelphia minus two and a half versus the Miami Dolphins. Denver plus one at home against Green Bay. And Baltimore minus three against the Detroit Lions. That is our week seven best bet gauntlet. May the odds be ever in your favor. And that is the end of our show for today. Appreciate everyone being here with us uh, not live for the first time in a long time jt is not going live but we'll be live again next week another game week for the titans getting ready for titans falcons on monday not sure what the show's going to be about i i have an inkling that we'll be talking about some trade deadline potential trades for the titans to be sellers maybe the titans to be buyers we'll see i saw that one interesting odds market has the titans as as highly rated buyers for a big free agent wide receiver in the market we'll talk about that and what the titans could do as buyers or sellers what would and would not be a good opportunity for them before the trade deadline until then for producer jt i'm your host easton freeze this has been the hot read podcast we'll talk to you on monday <laughs>